Help support the Hockey Hurts podcast by donating as little as $1 per month by visiting patreon.com slash hockey hurts. Hello and welcome to the Hockey Hurts podcast for August 4th of 2016. I'm Ryan Wilson. I'm Cameron Walsh. Um, this week, we don't have a ton of topics, but um, I was kind of looking around the league at some interesting teams and where they're headed and, and Detroit popped out to me as a team that was the best of the cap era and, and where they are now and I think it's worthy of a discussion on how they've handled their business since you know being the absolute best to uh, where I think they might actually break their playoff streak this year and not in a good way um, missing out for the first time in like what close to three decades is that about right? It's, it's 26 years or something like that. So you might as well say 20, like three decades, yeah. Which is incredible. It spanned all sorts of different eras and salary caps and whatnot. But I, I think it's in jeopardy this year. Uh, we'll also talk about Tyson Berry, the contract that he got before uh, the arbitration award was given, but not before they actually sat down and uh, he had to hear them talk shit about him, I assume. <laughs> <laughs> Which is never ideal for the working relationship. And, um, I don't know, anything else that we venture uh, into? Uh, yeah, well, good point. It, it just comes up to whatever sort of crops up, doesn't it? So, we... We'll begin with Detroit. Um, Ken Holland, I think, way back when, I think you could also say Lou Lamarillo, like 80, late 80s, early 90s, really expanded their horizons to Europe that was kind of untapped at the time. And Detroit famously had a just stole an excellent trio of players. Didn't steal. I mean, they drafted them, but... Nobody was out that way, and it's not like they were blowing first-round picks on these guys, but Nick Lidstrom, Pavel Datsuk, Henrik Zetterberg, pretty amazing. And you can throw in guys like Johan Franzen and Holmstrom. Uh, they basically just took all the good Swedish players before anybody caught on. It's it's funny, you know, you hear people say, oh, they were just flyers, because they were pretty low, like they were past the fourth and fifth round, some of those picks, and... At some point, you've got to get there and go, no, this is a definite strategy of, well, nobody's taken, well, let's let's grab them, and, and we know that we're going to be able to develop them within our system and, and what we've got and, and do something out of them. But with how far down Nick Lidstrom was, was drafted, you're not expecting him to be what he was, are you? Best defenseman of his generation? Probably not. You'd probably, take <laughs> him, probably not risk losing that. You'd probably take him sooner. Just you a hunch. So, yeah. but, Where do you see the holes at the moment? Where do you see it sort of starting to fall apart with the roster for 16-17, basically? Well, they were from 07 to 09, just unstoppable force. Uh, I, I still maintain Pittsburgh was lucky to win their first Stanley Cup against them. Then, unfortunately, that Brian Rafalski retirement kind of came out of left field. You know, he was towards more towards the end of his career, but he had just come off of, I 
can't recall what he got at the 2010 Olympics. Was he voted best defenseman or some, something like that? I think so. He had a lot of goals on that uh, run to the silver medal. And he retired. They get nothing for that. And I think he retired a little bit sooner than anybody anticipated, really. He was playing great hockey. So. He was. And I think him and Lidstrom had like a 60% Corsi 4 percentage when they were partners. So they were okay. <laughs> uh, Nick Lidstrom, he was 40, 41 when he retired. So, you know, you know that's coming. But it still sucks because he probably still could have played three or four years himself. Well, you look at who's... Yeah, you'd, look, you'd go, he'd still at least at the worst be a third-pairing defenseman, and you'd most likely think he'd be a second-pairing defenseman. You know what I mean? I wouldn't rule out a first-pairing defenseman. Oh, for yeah, it's a valid point. So you start to see the cracks of, okay, I'm starting to lose assets for nothing. And that's, you know, that's part of the evolution. I, I think Pittsburgh's eventually going to... You're going to lose Crosby and Malkin for nothing, and that sucks. But, you know, that's part of it. I think where Detroit's come into trouble is a lot of these players that they kind of stole with late picks. I think the NHL has moved towards scouting Europe and doing a lot better. Now every team is doing their due diligence with finding European talent. So that that door is not as wide open for Ken Holland as it used to be. And for whatever reason, recently he just loves handing out term and money to, to not high-end players, and that's the opposite of what you want to be doing in the salary cap era, uh, at least from what I've seen. No, it does, it does feel like he's taken the complete reverse direction of what I suppose has been the considered approach, which is... Lock up your lock up your superstars or whatever your version of a superstar is on your team for a long term contract for um, whatever they want because you just have to pay them to do that uh, within reason of course um, and then obviously just fill the holes in with reasonable contracts or you know what everyone calls great value contracts around that and I just you get there and you wonder whether he feels like he's going to be able to find another superstar to be able to pay because. You know, Henrik Zetterberg's on the wrong side. Uh, obviously, Datsuk left a year earlier, which doesn't help his cause either. Where are their superstars in their lineup? They are in a situation where, because they have been so successful at finding superstar-level talent later in the draft, that they've just not been getting draft picks where they can keep repeating that. Some of this has been bad luck. Lidstrom, oh, yeah. Rafalski retiring, Datsuk leaving early. Is that bad luck, or was that mismanagement of that whole re-signing of that contract? No, I mean, it seems like it was a little bit of poor communication on both parts there. Yeah. But he still left a year early and left a hefty cap hit that they, you know, to Ken Holland's credit, pretty clever to, to get it to Arizona, who doesn't. They want to hit the floor, so they don't care. No, so I mean, he's he's certainly proved that he can he can still wheel and deal. It's just he's it seems like his contract extensions for players is his biggest issue. I think the other bad luck one is Johan Franzen's concussions. Yeah. I, I think he's he's 
probably done, right? I th- I can't I it would be very surprised if he comes back and if he does you you'd make the assumption that he would be the shadow of himself in regards to what he provided specifically. You'd hope that's not the case, but I I struggle to see him being able to get back on the ice. I'm going to pull up some of his goal numbers. He was he was a good player. He was. And, and once again, that's one of those things where... He's yeah, older, he can, though. Older than I thought, 36. Yeah, no, he is. But it, it's weird. Like On the ice, he didn't look like he was slowing down. It's just that he couldn't get on the ice. And, and that was the, the bigger thing. It's not like one of those situations where you can see a player as they age. Like a Kudits, I suppose. You can see what they can produce tangibly on the ice slowly decrease like Frampton as far as I could tell was still producing at the same level he sort of always had he just couldn't stay on the ice 27 goals 34 goals uh, that was in the 07 to 09 time frame and that yep. was missing 10 games yeah. each year yeah. um, comes back plays tw- he got hurt 09 10 only played 27 games. Then he's back up to 28 goals, 29 goals. And then he's 2012-13, 14 goals in 40 games, which is pretty much that same 28-29 goal yep. pace. Um, and then I think 13-14, he's only got 54 games there. And then 33 and then two. So I think the injury's kind of – he's close to 30 goals on a regular basis. That's, that's tough yeah. to just lose out of nowhere too. Yep. So that's not helping their cause. Um, but Detroit kind of shifted away from building within, and, and they went on a kind of a little bit of a streak with trades, giving up futures, signing unrestricted free agents that just kind of didn't work out. Uh, David Legwand, uh if you recall, they traded for him. They gave up Patrick Eves, who, in my opinion, is exactly the kind of fourth line, about a million dollar fourth line player that's really good. I think uh, I've written about him a few times. When Pittsburgh needed to improve their bottom six, is is the kind of guy you you would want to target. But they gave yep. up Eves, a second round pick, and I believe the I can't pronounce some of these Finnish names. Yarncroft. <laughs> Is he the – he's the guy on Nashville this year that had 15 goals. Who was it? Yarncrock? I don't know. Oh, yeah, 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 Yarncrock. Yep. Is that they right? Yeah, Yarncrock. They just re-signed him. So I was right. Yeah, right. yeah you're on the money there. It's not, it's not pull my other leg. I wasn't totally out. right. It may, maybe got the name right. He had 16 goals. So, you know, David Legwan, rental, whatever. But you're giving up three pieces that are okay. Uh, Kyle Quincy for a first-round pick. You know, it was a rental at the time, but he he did end up staying there. But that's still not good value for a first-round pick. Eric Cole, uh, trading for him. Wasn't that Brooks Olpik's fault? What's that? Didn't... Who was Ian Cole playing for when Brooks Orpik broke his neck? Carolina. Ah, oh, right. So that wasn't Brooks's fault. It wasn't the Dallas time frame. Yeah. But, you know, and then they 
Then you get to the more recent times where they're just signing mid, being polite with some of these middle six forward talents and giving them just years and money like Glenn Denning. They just gave him four years. You know the thing that the, I think the thing for me it's it's where the money's allocated to. I think you nailed it on the head in that they've given term to guys that are at best second line players and could inevitably fall off the fall off the map to be be fourth line players. And you look at it, and, and I, I think I know I'm guilty of this is uh, looking at a player's worth against what they provide on the ice with the with the cap hit that they've got so i think i remember i either read it somewhere or, or heard someone say it it's uh, a, if you can get a player that produces at a fourth line level and you only play him at a, pay him at a fourth line level then you're good but if you pay somebody at a second line level and they produce at a third line level then that's a bad contract and I, I cannot see how Justin Abdulkader is worth 65-year contract at 4.25. I just I don't see it. I don't see how that's good value. No, that's... And he's not young. He's almost 30 he's right 20, now. He's, tw- he's 29. Like, One, he... two, three, four, five, six. Jesus. How many, how many forwards over the age of 34... Are there in this league anymore? And, and how one, many of them that depart at 34 lead into that 34 playing 4.25 million dollar hockey? Well, you have a look at the like you you use um, Joe Thornton as the the example, but Joe Thornton's like top end elite of the elite talent that's fallen off to be just. Yeah, very good. Kind, kind of a former number one overall draft pick, future yeah. Hall of Famer. They're the, they're the guys that you can take the risk on in regards to extending beyond whatever we consider to be the expiry date of a relevant production. Guys like Abdulkader, you can't. Particularly as a player who, very Ryan Callahan like in the sense that he's physical, he likes to rough it up, he, he likes to, to muck it up. His body is going to be what fails him, I would suggest, before the end of that contract, and they're going to be, although it's signed before 35, so they're not going to have that. If he retires, he retires, doesn't he? The cap disappears with him. Yep, that's fair. Yeah, so that's, that's probably the, the one saving grace of the length of that contract, but if you're Abdulkader, you just hang around and take your money. They've paid you for it for all that time. Why would you retire? So he's a career 9% shooter, and he's been in the league since 09-10, playing decent game totals 14.9 percent two years ago 12.3 percent last year um you know i think they're riding that hot variance hand and let's be honest his career high in points is 44 and last year he had 42 career high in goals 23 and then 19 last year but before that it was 10 See, all of all of these numbers here are pointing to a third-line winger, to me. At, at, and you go, you can't have a third-line winger at four point two five. You just you just can't. I could almost do, do the the four point two five if it's like a three-year deal or the term just, is what's murder in this thing. It just feels like. Holland needs to go to a different franchise and have a fresh perspective of what happens in hockey. 
It's almost like he's got a little stale with what with what's going on. Or he just keeps losing good assistant GMs and he needs help. I think our friends at the uh, Garage League podcast have mentioned this concept uh, with Theo Epstein, uh, former Boston Red Sox GM, current Chicago Cubs GM. And I think he said something along the lines of, you, you have to move on after 10 years and reset. Otherwise, you get kind of stuck uh, maybe doing kind of the things Ken Holland is now. Well, you, you know, could make the argument with Lamorello as well. But I think, um, you know, there's probably some merit to that. Starting anew, fresh ideas, fresh personnel, all that kind of stuff. The other thing I just realized with that advocated contract, he has control as well. He's got a no-trade clause in there, so he's got an element of control. So they they can't even just dump him off if he's not going to retire. <laughs> I forgot about that dynamic of it. It, it just makes it worse and worse. Yeah, it's just for for and, and I suppose the point that we're both trying to make is Ken Holland did a brilliant job there through sort of the, the late two thousands, if you know what I mean. Like really constructed a great team, and it happened from work he did earlier than that, uh, and and dealt with the the changes in the cap really well. It, it just feels as though he's he's lost his magic touch, and it, it's the it's the, I mean Zetterberg's still got to go through to twenty twenty one yet. At six point one, two, three, you know, five more point, years. Holy cow! Yeah, so that's thirty-five right now, and, and he's he's already missing games. He's he's had that as an issue for for a little bit now. Even during those Stanley Cup runs, he would, um, I think, back related stuff. Yep. And I would, yep. I he he was amazing. Con Smythe winner. Um, yep. Well deserved, in my opinion, and. Uh, you know, we talk about Joe Thornton. Zetterberg's awesome, but even he, you look at it and it's like, is he going to be able to do this? And I have my doubts there. It's the, phys- it's, it's the physical part of it. He doesn't look like when he actually makes it on the ice, even when he's playing at 60 or 70% physically, he can still do the things that make make him great as a two-way player, which is amazing when you think about the, the physicality that you have to have to be responsible in your own end and then still be able to push play the other way. Um, he can still play. It's just a question of whether his body will allow him to get on the ice enough to warrant that that six million dollar contract. That one will be tough as time moves on. You may yeah. see him retire. Now they they did sign that before thirty five, didn't they? He's thirty five right now, so yeah. So he if he goes, the cap goes with him. So that's not going to kill them as much. Just the on ice product will certainly hurt. Uh, but I'm Darren Helm is going to make 3.85 million for the next five years. See, once again, I don't mind Darren Helm. And like you said about Applicator, 3.8, that's fine. But not until he's 34. Yeah, he's 29 right now. Yeah. These are these middle six contracts that are going to kill him. They're spending pretty significant money here just to keep guys. Like that whole loyalty thing, and you can't fall in love with non-star players in the salary cap area. You got to move on. I'll give Pittsburgh credit; they could have fell in love with Cullen and overpaid him, and they've managed to not fall into that trap. Same with Lovejoy. They, they did, though. I mean, they did the Dupuis contract. Yeah, the change of regime, 
change of regime. And, and change well, of sort of. I mean, they, the current one did give Flurry his. That's exactly what I was about to say. That's for, for me, it feels as though after that, it feels as though the rest of the team that are helping out the general manager there have had a bit more of a say. And I don't know if they're going to launch out any more of those kind of contracts unless they're star players. So that, that's the difference. You're exactly right. I mean, you look at Dean Lombardi in um, in LA. I mean, if it wasn't for him being able to get guys arrested, um, they'd be in massive trouble with that club. I still loathe that Mike Richards fucking bullshit, how they got Jesus. out of that. I, yeah. I'm, I'm, that has nothing to do with Mike Richards. No, I realize that. It's just such shit. The way they handled that. But I, the thing I can't understand... <laughs> they wouldn't let him around the rink, but they'd let the, the wife beater around the rink because he could still help the team on the ice. Yeah, yeah I know. It's, and the NHL is just uh, complicit in, in allowing all that to happen. So we, we won't go off totally off the rails there. Um, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but Darren Helm, career high, 33 points. Why, why do you have to extend him for five years at close to $4 million when he's 29 years old? What, other than loyalty, what could you possibly argue for that contract? Luke Glendening, he is below replacement level right now. You give him close to $2 million for four years? Why are you giving term and money money relative to fourth line? They've tripled his contract. 628 to 1.8. They could have given him a two-year contract at the same damn rate. What's he going to do? Okay, see ya. I guess we'll just call up a guy and he'll do the same. The other thing that's that's strange about that signing is that there's talk that Athanasia, I'm not going to get that one right either, um, might not make the team because there's no spots for him. Ooh, that would be and good. He, and it's like he's cheap as chips. And they, 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 they think he might make the roster, but if you've got other contracts that you can't ship down to the AHL, he's going to be, have to be the one that drops. They have a history of doing that, though. Well, it's the whole the slow burn in the AHL. Yeah, it's the quote unquote slow burn. But I don't know if if this particular I'm uh, I'm not so super sold on that because we we know player primes are earlier now. Yeah, and yep. you need that ELC value. I I think that's more of a I think it's more of an old school mindset, and I think the players now are better prepared to to jump in than they ever were. This particular era of this Detroit team, I don't think can afford to have guys bake in the AHL. I think that's just the reality. They have to drag in. And why would you sign a guy like Thomas Fanick and hold um, a you know, younger guy back? Well, same with Steve Ott. I mean, you can make that argument with Steve Ott. He's not much more expensive than... Oh, jeez, I forgot they signed him. Yeah, it's just... Wow, this is... Joe Vitale? Oh, yeah. that was part of the that, well. That was part of the 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 fake Datsuk trade. So I don't know if they actually have plans with him. But man, you just look at this. Uh, uh, haven't even mentioned the DeKaiser resigning, and we haven't got to the goalies yet either. Oh my god, we're gonna be talking a lot about Detroit a little bit longer than I thought, <laughs> which is good because we don't have any other damn topics. So <laughs> DeKaiser. Okay, player, no, you know, right? 
I don't feel yeah, too yeah, positive. Just... I don't feel too negative. He's out there. He's out there doing, you know, he's kind of a neutral, which but can be fine. This, this is the thing. DeKaiser will be looked upon negatively as, the, as that contract goes long because he's not worth $5 million. That's, that's, that's another guy you didn't have to pay. Like you're paying money you don't have to pay. You're not understanding the value here. Yeah. I mean, Ericsson signed through for another, if you include this year, another four years at 4.25. That'll take him through to at least 35 years of age. Chronos and he's got, and he's got, you have a look at all their, all their back end. You go, yeah. Green, DeKaiser, Cronwall, <laughs> and Ericsson all have no trade clauses in there. All of them do. Loyalty. Back to that. Right? Yeah. And Jimmy Howard has a no-trade clause in every year left on his contract except the last. Well, we'll save, we'll save the goalie talk for its... It's our little section? I mean, that there's not a lot going right right now. Well, they're getting a new, a new arena. That is true. Great. I just don't know if anyone's going to want to go and watch the team that's here to be in it. I'll interrupt and throw one positive. Dylan Larkin's really good. Don't want to beat oh, up yeah. everybody. Yeah. There's some yeah. good things here. Um, but you need not to as pay many you, as there used to be. He is who you pay when he gets up to his last year of his entry level. He's the guy you get there and you pay for, what is it, eight years at or seven years at, at seven or eight mil. He's the guy you pay the money to. Yeah, absolutely. But you got guys like Cronwall who are in my opinion, overrated. He's... Have you felt like that through his whole career? Um, he used to contribute a lot more offense. Yeah, that it just feels like that offense he side in... dropped off, and I don't think his shot suppression's fantastic. Well, right now I can tell you what it is if you Please pull do. up a um, hero chart quick. It's it's off the chart negative. Oh Jesus! Okay. It's uh, his possession overall is the lowest that it can be, and his offense is also in a bottom pairing. It's likelier that he would be the seventh defenseman than he would be bottom pairing. Yeah. Yeah, bottom pairing, or obviously the other two. So. He's obviously not going to be the seventh defenseman, but these numbers are stating that paying a guy close to $5 million for three more years, no trade clause. So. I mean, they they signed that back in 2013. So it's that's it, a seven-year contract. For a guy that at the time it was signed would have been 30? His possession was already teetering on bottom pairing. His offense yeah. was still teetering on top pairing at the time. But yeah. there's just so many bad contracts. And, and Franz Nielsen I like as a player, but there's a, he's 32. They just gave him five years at above $5 million. Um. They're an old team. 
Yeah. With a lot of bad contracts, a lot of no trade clauses, and a division that's getting better. Well, that's the that's the big sort of, issue, isn't it? I guess sort of getting better. I, I think of the Sabers as getting better, but better enough sooner than later. Yeah, to be yeah. to 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 leap Detroit. Yeah, and you still have Florida and Tampa who are are good. I think both both those teams are. Very yeah, legitimate. I, you won't hear me argue that. And then it's it's funny because in, in inside that division, you've got Boston, who I don't know what to expect out of them on the ice. Yeah. They, I mean, Bacchus will be okay this, this year. The contract's terrible, yeah. but in the near future, it should be, won't kill him. And then the Senators have got a new coach. I, I don't know what that new coach is going to try and provide on the ice um, in regards to getting the most out of the where the talent sits on that roster. So it's it's always interesting. I'll say out. this. Detroit's in the, the right division right now. <laughs> to make the playoffs again. They got Buffalo that's kind of in that. Are we taking a step forward enough to be talked about with that? I, I don't like their defense core all that much. I like where they're going with their forwards. Even goalie's kind of a question mark for Buffalo. I don't think Laner has had a large enough sample to show. You're just not sure yet. Based on injuries. Yep. Uh, Montreal, I think... I hate that trade, but I don't think you're going to see a huge drop-off. Well, it helps that the best goalie in the world... This year? Yeah. Price will be back. Weber is still very good at generation. He just doesn't shut it down kind of the way people think. But that's the thing that makes me chuckle about that trade is that that's what they brought him in for. Well, you know, they'll learn. The hard way. So I guess Detroit's in the right division if they're going to keep this playoff streak alive, because it wouldn't happen in the Metro. Certainly wouldn't happen in the Central. And even the Pacific. You know, there's still some okay teams out that way. Uh, You look at the... I mean, if you think about it, I still think LA's half a chance to make the playoffs. You just go look at California. Calgary's... Calgary... Calgary with Elliott, watch out. Yeah. They were 30th ranked goaltending last year. Uh, they will not be 30th again. I, I would be shocked if they were 30th. Yeah. Again. <laughs> I just, I'm in the same boat. You just can't see it happening. So. Uh, what, am I missing anything else with Detroit here? Oh, the, we're all over the place with this. But, like, Stephen Weiss, that was a bad signing. They're still paying for that uh, with a buyout. Yeah, but that, that was injury related, wasn't it? No, he just stunk. Uh, so they're going to be paying him like one point six six million until twenty twenty one. The the cap because the cap hasn't gone up. General managers have no flexibility to cover for their errors, or very little flexibility to cover for their errors. Do they now? Like, 
for the sake of the NHL salary cap, they need a few Canadian teams to get into the playoffs. Yeah, if you want that money to get bumped up, they and a decent Canadian dollar at the same time. And, and they're things, you know, outside of general managers. I mean, unless they rig the system, <laughs> outside of general managers' purview, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Goaltending. They're overpaying because they've got a guy on there that they overpaid when they made the first original contract, and everybody said that when Howard signed that original contract. Howard had okay numbers at the time, but once again, you're dealing with the devil giving term and money to that position. I mean, you'd better be signing one of the best to to make out with that. So he's making 5.2 mil for the next three years. He's already 32 years old. Like you said, he's got no trade. The only time they're going to be able to throw him wherever they want to throw him would be his final year. Which doesn't help them cap-wise. No. And I mean, people have made the argument that having Howard there to back up Mrazic because Mrazic showed he was a little bit shaky at the end of the year. He came back from an injury too early. That's where it fell apart on him. He's 24. He put yeah. up good numbers. Four yeah. million for two years. That's a contract you can live with because even if it explodes, it's like, all right, it was only two years. Four, four is a lot better than five. Um, and you've still got control at the end of the contract anyway because he's an RFA. So you're not going to lose him for nothing. So they're in kind of a, not totally a Dallas situation. Money-wise, they're throwing a lot of money at the, the goalie position, but at least Mrazek is showing a little bit more than a, a Lettinen or a Niemi. Well, Mrazek feels like he's trending up. Howard, I think, I think at best, would feel like he's flatlining. The other two guys over in the uh, in their old division feel like they're um, they're regressing, and they jerked around the they did the goalie dance in the playoffs and it bit them. I think Tampa. if they'd stuck with one, I think if they oh I think Detroit yeah yeah I thought you were gonna say with with Dallas as well no I guess yeah, they did too yep yeah and I was gonna say I don't think it would matter for with either side with either team though whether. If they'd stuck with Howard or stuck with Mrazic or if they'd stuck with Miami or, or stuck with Lennon, I still think both those teams would have lost because of their goaltending. And I thought Detroit had his... Um, it was set up for them to upset Tampa the best it could have been because uh, the Strawman-Stamkos thing. Yeah, they but, were just... But Tampa couple... showed that they were too damn good even without him. Yeah. I, I did not think they were going to... Be as good as they were. They were well. They, they were almost great. beat Pittsburgh with a, you know, an un, an uh, an under under ready uh, Strollman and a and a definitely not quite right Stamkos. I mean, that's the reality of it. There. I think Stamkos only was game seven, right? Yeah, that's that's all they got out of it. But they kept him. I didn't think he he was going to stay. He did. I didn't feel it. So. Um. Are we done ripping on Detroit? Yeah, that's basically all we've done. So, yeah, let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> there was a lot to get through there. There was. Not a lot of it. Sorry. I predict they missed the playoffs. Sorry, Detroit fans. I'm sure they feel it, too. 
But that, yeah, I think the streak ends. Which sucks, but if it does end, it might stop the organization from clinging onto it, and they might actually go, all right, we need to rebuild, so tear it down, build it up again. bit hard when you've got all those no trades in there, though. You know what, though? Something I just thought of. When when did these bad moves start happening? Three or four years ago. How long has Nil been with Dallas? Three or four years ago. Right? Uh, that's a good point. So, Jim Nil leaves Detroit to go to Dallas. And, and outside of the goalie stuff, I think Nil, eh, well, the Chris Russell trade too, but Nil's done pretty okay job. Well, Tyler Sagan contract. <laughs> that trade was great. Getting Spezza was great. Um, Klingberg, all this stuff. Um, pretty good stuff. Sharp, Patrick Sharp for nothing, basically. So, the other part of it, Iserman leaves. Iserman's doing pretty good in Tampa. Once again, it, it, it's... So I, he I lost two good the, assistant yeah. GMs when really, maybe one of those two should have kind of been hired there to take the big what? job but Illich and Holland I, I I get why that didn't happen but you know you look back and you wonder well how would Detroit look if uh, the job was handed over to, to one of those two guys and Holland but kind of fresh guys and a, a fresh perspective on the hockey club itself and it goes back to like you said the boys from the the Garage League podcast and the Theo Epstein theory 10 years is the max and you should move on and Holland's been there for what it feels like forever. So, sorry, now we're done with Detroit. But I, I just, that came to my mind that they, they lost two pretty good executives um, around that same time frame, and it's kind of gone down a little bit since then. Yeah, I'd not I'd not thought of that. But, yeah, you, well, it's, it's the fear Pittsburgh fans have got about Botterill. <laughs> yeah, I do have that fear. Do we want to talk uh, Coyotes and Vermette? Um, Barry first. Oh, yeah, Tyson. Very good deal for Colorado. Haven't said that a lot. Actually, there's a few. McKinnon's extension was pretty great. Yeah, you couldn't understand that from McKinnon's point of view. Did we talk about that? Yeah, we've discussed that. I can't remember the last podcast. Well, that's what happens when you go off on holiday. Yeah, I guess so. Um <laughs> Five point five million, one, two, three, four, four years. Hey, that's pretty good. Tyson Berry moves the uh, the meter, pushes play, drives offense. Uh, nobody else on that roster can can do it the way he does. He's right-handed, skates well. Uh, those kind of players are at a premium in the league. Right-handed defensemen that are skilled and can do all those good things with the puck. The way they got to this point, I it was totally Colorado. <laughs> it's it's funny. I read a tweet somewhere where Barry goes, I don't think I'm as bad in my own zone as everyone seems to make out that I am. So, and that was, I think that was post, um, post contract signing. So uh, they, did they get to that point where they would have 
Go on, these are your flaws, and this is why you're only worth X. Oh, they went through all of that, yes. They went through the shit-talking stage and then signed him. It's just That just seems baffling. And I think it's why so many teams avoid arbitration. Yeah, you don't want to do that. No. You go in there, you're trying to drive the cost down, but at what cost? Like, Tyson oh. Berry's got to sit there and have Patrick Waugh or Joe Sackick or Joe Sackick talking to him like you you don't play Patrick Wall hockey and da 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 and you don't clear the net and it's like all right. <laughs> well, I've got the puck all the time. I don't have to clear the net. But that's not good. Your bosses are basically ripping you down, pointing out every flaw, and then you turn around and sign them to a reasonable contract, anyways. And, and like you said, reasonable contract for a player that uh, a lot of teams would have been interested in had they come to a poor agreement and the rumor got out that he wanted to get moved. You know what I'm saying? So credit where credit's due, I suppose, in, in that sense. I mean... Well, he had some quotes that, that I liked that you kind of alluded to. I don't know if they're the exact ones. No, I, they're I mean, a little bit different. Obviously, those stats, I don't think they lie. So if we want to be better, we have to be better with the puck possession. I don't have the answer on how to do that, but I think we've got to figure it out. So he knows he's on a dog shit possession team. He knows that that team, with some of the players they have, then they do have some skilled players. they got to do better getting it, driving it the other way. And then they Barry was quizzed on his own interest in advanced stats. And he said, I know it's getting bigger, but I've never looked too much into it. I feel as a player, you play a game. You kind of know if I play bad, I know I played bad. I don't need the numbers to tell me that my Corsi was bad or whatever. Um, I agree with him. I think the players... It's uh, the coach's job to, to look at the numbers and go, okay, we're struggling with this particular part of the game. How do I go about changing what we do or changing the roster to improve those particular things to help us be a better team? It's not up to the player to track his own Corsi or his Fenwick and all that sort he of garbage. He doesn't need to know job. what it is. He doesn't need to know that kind of in-depth. Like, put it this way. When I coach high school, do I know that possession matters? Of course. I write about it all the time. <laughs> Am I using... Corsi and Fenwick when I'm trying to tell the kids what to do better? Absolutely not, but I have that in mind, and how I communicate it has to make sense on a player level. And this is where I think you get the separation between the analytics and the on-ice stuff. The players don't have to care about the stats. In fact, some of them have come out and said they're shit. Well, they're not. You just don't need to know about them because you're the player. It's your boss's job to know about them and guide you in the right direction and give you uh, the right instruction and strategies how to maximize the Corsi and Fenwick, which you don't need to know about. <laughs> is that is that why everything you've said there, totally agree, but is that why there seems to be a lot of pushback from TV analysts on, yeah, and I'm talking about 90%, because they're all ex-players. Yes, I believe so. So it's just, it's one of those things where, uh, you're exactly right, it's the, it's the management side of things and the coaching side of things that need to care about it, and as you said, the communication from 
coaches to players not using those terms or, you know, going, we need to have better puck possession when you're coaching them on the ice at, at training is not going to help. You need to explain to them where you want them to go and, and what systems you want them to run, uh, what decisions you want them to make in certain parts of the ice to help improve puck possession. But you don't use those terms because players will just switch off. Yeah, I'm not coming back to the bench. Or when they come back to the bench, I'm not. Damn it, get your courses up there. (laughs) (laughs) What happens if, let's let's say, for example, the player dumps the puck in, and I don't believe that there was pressure that dictated that choice. Well, they come back, and I'll just ask. I go, what was your thought process there? Why did you feel the need to put the puck where you did? I want to hear their train of thought so I can kind of see where they're coming from. And if they're like, well, I thought I was being pressured, then I can yell at his line mate and be like, why weren't you yelling time, time, time so that he didn't make that stupid fucking dumping play that I hate so much. And Um, once again, though, if he dumps it in and he thought he had his other winger coming in hard to collect the puck ahead of the defenseman, then it's a it's a pass to an area. Well, that's an indirect pass. That, I'm, that's not the example I'm using, though. I'm talking about dumping. Yeah, I know you mean. I know exactly yet. what you're saying. But yeah, over yeah. the course of the year, my guys dumped the, the puck in a lot less because they valued it. I'm like, guys, you work so hard for it. Why are you just going to give it away? You're not even being pressured. Get the, the get it deep for the sake of getting it deep, horse shit. We're done with that. That's that's not how we play anymore. Um, especially with the rules for high school. I mean. Head contact, thankfully, and all that's very strictly enforced. So you can, you know, you're just asking for minor penalties playing that style anyways. So now they carry it in. Now they look for stuff. And at least now they draw the defenseman in before they do a baby chip and let the next forward get it. But never once am I talking about Corsi or Fenwick. We're talking on a player-to-coach level. While in my head, I'm... Guiding the conversation and communicating the things to improve the Corsi and Fenwick, which lead to wins. Well, it's process trying to improve results. So that's just, you know, the way that I've looked at it for since hearing it at one of the analytics conferences is the 100 minutes of analytical research, the person does that. They need to take all that 100 minutes of work and boil it down into 10-minute conversation with a coach. And that coach needs to boil that 10 minutes of information down to one minute to the player so that the player does not tune out the coach. So it's a very tight funnel by the time you get down to the coach-player interaction. It has to be. But that's where the analytics person has to be good. They have to communicate things well and really focus on what matters and and sell it to the coach. And then the coach has to be on board with all of this and then communicate it to the player to the point where they're just not... Because players, they play to have fun. They don't want it to be a science or a classroom to a certain extent. I mean, they're professionals, so there is um, the video sessions and, and that kind of stuff that can probably you know, wear on somebody over the course of an 82-game season. But if you can boil it down into a quick one-minute conversation, that's good. 
So that's that's all you need as a player. That's all you sort of ever ask for is you want your coach to see things that you don't see on the ice and, and tell you how you could have done it better. That's all I've ever asked of, of, of my coach whenever I've played a, a team sport is to just look for ways to make me better at whatever the sport is I'm playing at the time. But back to Barry, I mean, I agree with him. He doesn't need to concern himself with the exact stats. He just needs to know that they're not bad to use and trust that his superiors um, can guide him correctly, which, you know, he's probably he's, the, he's probably on the wrong franchise for that. But he can only control him, and I think yep. he's got the right, perfect mindset as a player with it right now. Hey, look, the, the one of the things with Colorado in this deal is that they don't have any clauses on the contract. So if they do want to give him the ass because they get fed up with, with what he does for them because they can't see the value he brings, they've got freedom to just trade him to wherever. So, you know, they could be silly and trade him to uh, Edmonton for Yakupov. I don't think they're that bad. Just saying. But I wouldn't rule out a Barry trade. And that's more probably my point. It's just I don't think they're going to get back the value they could for him because they undervalue the the positives of what he has and overstate the negatives of, of what he's got. Man, Colorado, no way they're going to throw those legends to the curb. Player, player it's, legends. It's the it's the Edmonton it's the Edmonton disease. It, it's the it's the whole bring in the legendary players and they'll know because they their, know when I'm going to be they had a manager franchise or their brother. <laughs> yeah, or the brother. I can't fire fire the analytics guy that you know wasn't a yes man to to hire just. A guy that was a yes man in Boston, and you can actually see their drafting. I've seen a few tweets with their drafting history with him as their their player scout, and it's just like there's no history here that suggests that he's got a magic formula that will change what they've got in Edmonton under Chair Alley compared to what Boston had under Chair Alley. It's just it's nepotism at its finest. They've been doing it for a long time. But the whole, all of hockey does as well. Like, there, there doesn't seem to be any willingness to go, you know what, I'm going to take a risk here and go through a proper interview process and try and have some people give me a different point of view on, on how hockey works and what goes on so that I, I can get at, at least a dissenting view on all the yes-men that I've got floating around me. I'm sure it happens. It just doesn't happen often enough. Matt Kane actually put together a pretty good tweet today. Because people were talking up Keith Gretzky's like prospect scouting and all that stuff, something along those lines, and he had the average games played per year of players drafted in rounds two through seven from 2006 to 2012. This when, is what I when, saw when Keith Gretzky headed up amateur scouting for Phoenix, and third worst in the league. Yeah, so. I don't understand what he's doing differently that would warrant him being uh, chased by Edmonton to hire him on. That's just that's the bit that I just don't get. It's not like Arizona has beaten down divisional titles, so it's their picks were sooner than later. Yeah. Yeah, Edmonton. Good luck. 
That Hall Sorry. trade still happened, man. Sorry, New Arena. Yes, that whole trade did still happen, didn't it? <laughs> I laugh a month later. It's still incredible. I I know that I know that he's gone into the division of of my favorite team, but I want to see him tear it up. I want to see him just. I'd love to see him score fifty. Actually, play a full eighty-two games, and you know he's so good, but. The center play there is probably not good enough for that. And that it's one of those things with with elite wingers. It's it's is that what makes sentiment so so important in this sport? In that wingers do rely a little bit more on their center to get them the puck in positions to score. Wingers, can, wingers can drive it on their own. Ben did pretty damn good without Sagan. That's true. Host has always you know, been you know able to I'm do what he's question. done. I know why. I would say to your uh, comment that I think you do need the centerman to hit 50 in the current climate because you can't hit 50 on your own. Yeah. Or you have to just be an absolute monster on the power play, kind of like Ovechkin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. even he has Backstrom. This is why I'm asking the question. I mean, you, you can't know, do it on your own, and I don't think yeah. – um, what, Zajac's not enough? I think it would be Henrik, but yeah, same Same, same gift. Yeah, I get what you mean. That's a tough one. I mean, you got Hall. Jeez, um, I mean. And you know, it's the old adage. First and second line centers don't grow on trees, and they're really hard to acquire. Yeah. And they've already done their robbery trade that Shiro always seems to be able to pull off. Yeah, and even their back end, who's who's moving the puck up? Yeah, I suppose that's the that's the other question, isn't it, with that team? So, I don't know, maybe we'll see a Taylor Hall, uh, Adam Henrique, and Bo Bennett line. Bo! <laughs> I hope he does well there. We'll see. So do He's I. I just like to see. If he got 82 games in or 60 games in, I'd be stoked for him, to be honest. That would be um, that would be better than what he's been doing. Exactly. So, um, did you want to speak to Vermette being bought out? Well, the thing with the the Vermette buyout, it's kind of the complete reverse of most of the discussions we've had in the podcast today, really, isn't it? Yeah, good point. I think it was um, some people are like, well, why, why are they buying them out? And it's like, well, I think Arizona's kind of in a situation where it really doesn't matter. They're struggling to hit the floor. They're extending a cap hit by two years. I mean, I'm sure they maybe could have found somebody to trade them to, but they're probably just like, fuck it, we'll just take the cap hit. Uh, moving forward. At first, I thought maybe because he has a. Did he have a no movement? Not that I can see. I mean, I could be wrong with that. Maybe they didn't want to. Well, I did the thing for Hockey Buzz today where I, look, I I did the expansion draft, who to protect, and I just went up and down Arizona. I'm like, I don't know who these people are. 
But they don't have to protect some of them because they're so young. Isn't no, the... a lot of the younger talent, um, that was my problem with the exercise. I'm, I'm going through all 30 teams and trying to protect who uh, I would protect in the uh, expansion draft with the current roster. So basically, like when I get to Pittsburgh, I'm going to be keeping Flurry and Murray's going to be exposed because that's how it has to be. That's the rules, yeah. So I... I Flurry will probably get moved before them, but I'm not assuming. I can't make that assumption. But, but I yeah. look at Arizona and all their higher end guys, uh, the younger ones like a Dylan Strom and Max Domi, they don't need to be protected. And then you're just left with like guys like Brad Richardson, and I'm just like, well, do I really need to protect anybody? <laughs> well, it's just help me out here for a sec with the expansion draft. Every team can only lose one player to the draft. Is that right? Yes. Right. Okay. So it is It is one of those things where – and is the idea that the, the expansion draft is supposed to give up one player from every team, like they get 30 picks, is that right? Yep. Right. Okay. So you have to lose a player. There's no situation there where they're going to just skip past your roster and go and grab one from somebody else and only take – 26 players and then do the rest via UFA. Uh, correct. They have to take somebody from, well, here's, well, okay. You kind of <laughs> touched on something I read about today. Uh, somebody tweeted it to me. Cause I was like, why would anybody protect a UFA? Why would you sign that UFA before the, the expansion draft? Yeah. I the answer is you wouldn't. Now, Las Vegas technically could, because I think the expansion draft is going to be about 10 days before July 1. Yep. It would be basically like trading for somebody's rights. Then they can just walk. Yes. There's no way the NHLPA is going to agree to some crazy-ass thing that says... Well, if you're drafted by Las Vegas, you got to sign there, and you're like, "Fuck you, I'm a UFA. <laughs> I, yeah, I earn nice. this right." Yep, and there's exactly. no way around that. So, like for uh, Joe Thornton, if the Sharks play the cards right, Joe Thornton, they leave him. Say Vegas wants to take a long shot and give him a lot of money. You know that's the risk they take, but. There's nothing stopping Thornton from saying, yeah, I like it in San Jose, uh, sorry. And then the Sharks get to sign Thornton and also free up uh, another player to, yeah, to protect. Safe, another safety, yeah, uh, another protected player. I can actually see Thornton walking, to be honest. I don't know. I mean, he was pretty adamant about not being traded. They just went yeah, to the final. Yeah, I know, but there's a part of me that makes me think he just wants to go, fuck you, to Wilson. He's kind of done that through his play. Well, that, that's very, very true. No argument there on that point. I mean, they did just, you know, they were two two games away from winning it all. Yeah. Furthest they've ever been. So, yeah, that UFA thing for the, for the expansion draft is a lot of teams, I think, could, uh, Bruins being one that I, I wrote about today, I didn't protect Marshawn. Because he's a pending UFA. Yeah, I, I think if you, you run with that theory, and, and, and although the way the NHL works, 
this could all change in the space of two days. They just seem to change the rules however they want, whenever they want. So yeah, I can only go with what the yeah I know with what's laid out in front of you right now, and and it'll be interesting to see if the idea is is for you to get this done before the start of the year, obviously over the next couple of days. Did five teams today? Probably do five teams every day. I mean. Yeah. Shit, man, there ain't no penguins news. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I was just going to say, because say, say it took you a couple of weeks, you get close to the start of the you know, training camp, then all of a sudden the rules change, and it's like, shit, I can move this player now, I can do this, I can do that, it would just change everything. So I'm going to do about five teams a day, and then at the end of it I'll try to draft a, a Vegas team, I guess. That was the bit that I want to see. I want to see how it all pans out well, in that aspect. Gonna love having Murray in that. I know that. <laughs> so, yeah, it's just, um, and I, I'm using a general manager's um, expansion tool. It's really um, makes it really easy. You basically go click on tools, go to expansion tool, and you can click on any team, and you just put a check mark in the box next to a player you want to protect. And you can either do the seven forwards in 3D or the, the four and four, four forward, 4D. And uh, they have all the eligible players that you have to protect. They even have an exempt list right there for you. So you know the guys that you don't have to, um, to bother with. But it keeps a running tab total. So when I do all these... I can go back and plug all the guys in, and then it goes to expansion draft. Then it gives you a list of every uh, one of the 30 NHL teams and who's eligible to be drafted by Las Vegas. So that's what I'll do at the very end. So they, they actually have a really cool... They've done a brilliant job of filling a massive hole in the in the hockey market, and it's, it's amazing that the NHL still stands by the ridiculous statement that nobody gives a shit about this stuff. Yeah, but you know what? I'm glad that uh, we have a third party doing it because we, we saw what happened when the NHL tried to get serious with the, or somewhat serious with the possession stuff, and it's not even right. No, I know. And it's, I remember talking to a few people on Twitter, not just about that, but also about the the um, the live streaming and the, the archiving and all that stuff. It's like they are trying their hardest to just piss their fans off by not providing them with resources that they want to use. It's baffling. They're not getting my money for Game Center until they stop with the fucking three-minute delay feed and blackouts. Oh, I have the I have the issue that you go to watch the game in archive and they haven't even cut the ads out. You just have the black screen for ninety seconds. You could carve those things. Two things here: you could carve those games down substantially by just cutting out all the ads. Thus, it actually saves on storage space on the goddamn file itself on their goddamn. Service. That's the other bit that I don't understand. Have somebody cut it up, edit it. It wouldn't take them too long to do it. And then you, you save yourself probably, I don't know, 30 minutes on a broadcast. Ridiculous. Uh, you know, hockey streams. Uh, <laughs> NHL, I'd gladly give them the money, but their product is dog shit right now. And um, I thought hockey streams was, was excellent. And it was. They gave everything the, the the funniest thing is there's nothing about what hockey streams was doing that the nhl could not do like a true live feed yeah i get it there's some uh, we're 
getting better with the blackout rules, but they're still ridiculous. And look, I have to admit, whilst I live in this country, the blackout rules obviously do not apply to me, so it works. For, for me, that's not a particularly big issue, but the, the live streaming ability and then the, the archiving for me is very important because, you know, I watch a lot of the midweek games when I get home from work. So the, the ability to be able to get through those games in a shorter time frame uh, comes down to them cutting out a lot of the, the garbage that's not watched. Because they just black out the ads when I watch it. I don't know whether you get ads or whether it says commercial break when the commercials are on. Do you get the ads when you view it through the application? I don't use it. You never used it at all? Fuck them. Yeah, for real. <laughs> There's... It's the internet. You can find things. Smart, man. It's just too hard here. The, the thing with the the thing with the NHL feed is that I can rely on the live stream to actually work um, because my internet speeds over here are so bad but I can rely on the internet the, like that stream to work and and not drop out on me in that sense so that's the one reason why I'll end up buying it and I don't have the blackout issue that you do like I said take my money but it's such yeah. a poor <laughs> product right now. You're not getting it. <laughs> you don't deserve it. I'm providing content that directs people towards your league every day. Right? Yeah. This podcast no, being an example. Yep. Meet me halfway. Please. Please let me pay you for a, a technological product that resembles 2016 and not 1990. Well, the game's still officiated like it's in the 90s, so, you know, we're asking a little bit. I guess so. We got anything else? This has been one of the most bitchiest podcasts I think we've ever done. It's fucking August, that's why. <laughs> yeah, you're so, right. Guys, so Thank you, Detroit. Yeah. I don't know what else there is to positive to... I'd love to end on a positive note. Well, a positive note is we do, like you said before we started this, we do need to start doing our divisional previews. It's just a question of, do we want to make sure we've got them out of the way before the World Cup of Hockey starts? Well, um, oh yeah, the World Cup of Hockey will be good good to have. That. You know, I know some people don't care about it. I I always enjoy um, seeing the best of the best. Unless you've got In any format. So, um, go under 23. That's what I'm, <laughs> that's what I'm going with. <laughs> I know that's such a stupid thing, but um, the US team's stupider, so. <laughs> be, no, I, so like that's the, that's the thing. Like, I, I think if we're going to do one of those, if we do one division a week, then we're going to have to sort of get onto that because doesn't it start September 11 or September 12 or something? Yep, I think. Yeah, that's something we'll start gearing towards. I think it's a little bit early. We'll, we'll a couple we'll, weeks. We'll see if there's. There's not too much player movement to to be had. Wait on, yeah. But um, you know, we'll get through those, or any if we figure out, you know, another unique kind of podcast setup. Yep, seventeenth of September it starts. The pregame stuff. All right, for the World Cup of Hockey, seventeenth of September. To the 1st of October. Oh, the 17th. I thought you said yeah. 7th and 8th. Sorry. 
No, I'm sorry, sorry, sorry. So, all right, I guess not going to leave on that huge positive note. <laughs> oh well. Whoops. All right. Well, it was an hour. You got an hour podcast in the middle of August, so that's the best we can do. Thanks, guys. So, um, until next week.